Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to another episode of the Bullhunter Chronicles podcast. Today's podcast, we have Chad Riker from the Rookies in the Backcountry podcast. We talk with Chad about his upcoming elk hunt and the things that he's doing to prepare himself as a rookie in the backcountry. On the Rookies in the Backcountry podcast, Chad sets out to compile all of the information that anyone new to backcountry hunting would want. And he's trying to put it together in such a way that it's all available in one spot so chad's podcast is the one-stop shop for anyone starting to think about doing their own backcountry hunt of any sort it was a really fun podcast to record and we hope that you thoroughly enjoy it remember to check out our instagram we've got another giveaway going on for the next week with gear rack we're giving away a bino harness and rangefinder pouch just find the post that's got this is giveaway huge on it click on that follow along with us follow along with gear rack and tag a couple of your buddies and we'll be giving that out right before we head out on our hunt to idaho so definitely check that out follow along with us on facebook as well as check out our patreon account if you haven't seen that and don't forget about our friends over at the bow hunter box club bow hunter box club sends you cool bow hunting shit every month right to your door as well as our friends over at Servicide. Servicide is a hunting lifestyle brand with lifestyle apparel for hunters just like you and me. Um, at any of these affiliates, including Gear Rack, you can use the code Chronicles and you can save a little bit of money and help us out in doing so. Thanks for tuning in again. If you haven't already, please hit the five star button on whatever platform it is that you're listening and leave us a review because that's the only way that we know what we can do better so please do that tell a friend and enjoy the episode
Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Adam and John here, and today we've got Chad Riker from the Rookies in the Backcountry podcast on with us, and um, he is doing... He set out to do exactly what we stumbled upon, I think, which is trying to figure out how to plan a trip for people that have never been out there and kind of take you along with the process. So um, naturally, it was something that we were drawn to as we were trying to figure out as much information. We're like, hey, here's a podcast just for us, um, you know, as we stumble through it. So we had to get Chad on here. So how are you doing tonight, Chad? I'm doing very well, and I appreciate you guys having me on. The um, I, I think we got a ton of stuff to talk about here. We've already been kind of going for about what fifteen minutes. We've just kind of been BSing. Um, yeah, doing good. Glad to be here. So, for people that haven't come across your podcast, what is your your platform? I mean, how did it all evolve? Yep. So the it all just kind of evolved. I was kind of kicking around the idea of doing an elk hunt or some sort of sort of, you know backcountry hunt. Um, and I, I kind of get into more of the base of that here in a minute, but, um, I knew I didn't know anything about getting out West or even where to go or what States to go to. And I didn't really know anything about over the counter tags versus draw tags. Um, so I started listening to, to podcasts. A friend of mine introduced me to a podcast and I just, as I started listening to people and listen to them talk, I, there was some unanswered questions, I think like at the end of some of the podcasts where I would be asking myself, well, you know, what about some of these, these other things? And I decided, well, if I, why can't I talk to these people too? You know, if I can't, maybe I can get Corey Jacobson on and I can talk to him and ask him those questions or um, any, you know, just other guests that I've had on. And that's kind of where it evolved from. And then it was figure out what a podcast is and, and how to do it from that point, which that was a whole nother <laughs> trick in itself. But, yeah, so that's kind of where it evolved. And I really, if it was for me thinking that I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was getting into, or I didn't know, you know, like I said, that over-counter versus draw or any any of that stuff, if I was willing to do that research, I knew that there was other people out there too that needed to do that same research. And, and maybe they just didn't have the time for it. So let's kind of put that information. I, I just, I'm trying to make it more educational than 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 anything. Yeah. And I think it's a really good premise. You know, uh, we were talking about before where John and I said, Oh, well, we like to talk about bows. We'll do a podcast and we'll just talk about bows and the things that we do. Uh, so regular people can do it without kind of an outline or business plan going into it, which it turns out is, is what it needs to be. Um, so I think that that was very forward thinking on your part, or I mean, maybe if you start a podcast, you're supposed to have a plan. But we didn't we didn't necessarily um, have that have that going for us. So in that process, um, how did you settle on where you were going? Well, so I settled on Colorado, and that was mostly because of the the over the counter opportunities that Colorado has. I'd pretty much decided that I, I wanted to hunt elk. I had already I've hunted mule deer a few times out in West Texas, and you know I've hunted some other critters too, and. I, Elk is just something that has always amazed me. So I settled on that. And then, like I said, through that research and looking into it, I realized a lot of the states you need to have points built up in order to put in for the draws. Or you have to wait until that late season to maybe draw some sort of late season tag. Colorado just offered the opportunities that I was looking for. So 
Now I am building points in some other states so that maybe in a few years I don't, you know, I don't have to stay locked into Colorado and I can travel around and do some other, some other hunts too. But, um, plus, so I'm from Texas and getting from Texas to Idaho is that's quite a haul, you know, Colorado was just kind of the, the most or the closest place that I could get to really for over so, the counter just seemed like the right spot. Yeah. For over the counter that is. So what, what's your background? I mean, coming, growing up and stuff, did you bow hunt and all that? I mean, I shot a bow when I was a kid, my, you know, like, like a lot of guys, my dad bought me a, a little bow when I was younger. I don't remember, maybe nine or 10 years old, something like that. And I shot that and I always enjoyed it and going to the shops and stuff. Um, I never harvested an animal with it when I was younger, but I did always grow up in the woods and running around and shooting squirrels and rabbits and, and things like that. Um, and then joined the, the military and, you know, kind of just got out of the whole hunting scene for a number of years until I met my wonderful wife and we ended up in, well, we were in Arizona um, at the time, but we traveled out to West Texas a lot to be, my in-laws live out there. And that provided me with a lot of mule deer hunting opportunities and javelina and, you know, just some other, some other animals. So that's when I really started getting back into it and, and thinking about it. And then we ended up, so currently I'm out of um, Fort Sam Houston, which is in San Antonio, Texas, and I'll chase hogs around out there or, or whitetail or I still get out to West Texas quite a bit and try to hunt out there too. So, so you, there's not a whole lot of uh, public land in Texas. You got private land, you got access to private land for hunting like that or just buddies or, or what? Yeah. So the, in in the San Antonio area, I have a lot of people out there will do like a day lease oh, okay. where you just, you know, you, you basically rent the land for a day and then you go out and it's really it's not difficult at all it's a lot of guys hunt over corn so you turn on the feeders and 20 minutes later you got deer and pigs in there eating and day you know your day's over by noon you're already at the meat processor and back home by 12 o'clock so not too tough um but yeah that's kind of a day lease thing and then when i go out to west texas i i do i have access to some a few different public or uh, i'm sorry private lands out there that are pretty good in size not not quite like coming out of Indiana or, or, or Michigan. I got there's a couple of the different places that are in the 50,000 acre range where I can roam around. So Jeez. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, which is pretty massive. It's, and that's, so here's another thing that kind of led to the, the backcountry idea too. And this is, so we truck hunt, you know, when, when you are, have that much land, it's really hard to just kind of go. I mean, you can, you can go scout it and you can walk around it. Um, but there's, you know, you can do it from a truck too. And that's what we normally do. We'll just hop in the truck and drive around and, you know, you spot a deer two or 300 yards away and go ahead and whatever rifle you got with you, you just, you know, take the animal. So that was, although it's fun and it fills the freezer and it's, you know, it's good. It's a good time riding around in the truck with your buddies. It wasn't that adventure that I was really looking for, if that makes sense. Like I really wanted that just to get out on the mountaintop idea and and just get some of that clean air and enjoy it so and that was going to be one of the questions that i asked and you kind of you know answered it right there but you know the backcountry aspect of it 
it does have such an allure and i you know i I guess i always wondered where the stereotype of you know rednecks driving around in trucks with rifles because in michigan it's illegal you know i guess there's a lot of things that are legal in in texas so i mean i see the the shot up signs here in michigan and stuff like that but i always thought man i mean i know that it's a small part of the population that does it around here but that makes more sense if that's part of the hunting culture is to drive around you know with a with a rifle and so the the backcountry aspect of it why that versus say a spike camp because i think you you know with an outfitter or something like that you could have them drop you off and you kind of have a lot of the work done for you so it was is it just that sheer adventure cost um you know, why strictly backcountry? I think it's just the adventure part of it. Um, so we we talked before we started about military background and and this. I'm, so I'm kind of coming to the end of my military career, and I've changed jobs a couple of times. But I used to be in a job when I when I first came into the military, where um, I was for for Army guys out there. I was a 19 Delta, which is a cavalry scout. And we would go sit for days in the in the wood line, and our job was was to identify the enemy and call in and you know spot the locations, and that was just to, I always enjoyed that when I was out there set you know you set up a little tarp and you just hang out and you set up your little observation post and and that was it you know that was your whole job and that was your whole mission, and I kind of I've been away from that for about eight years now, and I kind of miss it. You know, I kind of want to get back to it, and I think, you know, if you have the opportunity to pack your meat or pack your freezer full of meat while you're doing it and you're doing something that you enjoy, then you're just, I don't know, I think I'm just drawn to it because of that. Yeah, I can, you know, for, for myself, um, you know, the, the saying, uh, embrace the suck. <laughs> it's, you know, John John thinks yeah. that I want him to get injured or, or whatever, but... <laughs> realistically the things that i remember from the military the most were never the good things it was always like the bad things that you overcame or you know when you were there with your buddies and you were freezing or it was 150 degrees and it was just terrible uh you know so that packing the meat off the mountain is difficult as it i imagine it's going to be is going to be what you remember even probably more so than the shot or the animal that story that you come home and that you tell and you share with all your buddies at the, the bar or around the campfire or whatever, that's going to be what it was. And, you know, eventually your pack will be 250 pound pack that I was carrying <laughs> out. And I had a two, two bull elk on my back at the same time or whatever. It'll, it'll exaggerate no doubt. But, but, um, I just, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, just that embrace the suck. That's a, it's a way of life really that, it is a saying that everybody's familiar with in the army, so or, and the military, military in general. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, so I'm looking as bad as as crazy as it sounds, and a lot of people when I tell them people that I work with, I tell them what I'm doing. They just, you know, and I tell them about packing out 100 pounds of meat or 80 pounds of meat or whatever. They just they're like, "What are you thinking? Like, why are you doing that?" You know. So, but something I I got to try. I want to try it. So. So when uh. I know you've talked to like Corey Jacobson and stuff on your podcast and let's see, what tools have you used to like set up your hunt for Colorado? Like have you used go hunt, the go hunt app or anything like that? Yep. So I went through, I did the university of elk hunting that Corey 
um, put together on his website on Elk 101. I went through that, and that's a phenomenal tool for for educating yourself. And he he's got some really great videos on there um, that kind of teach you how to scout. And he's got some calling videos and things like that. Um, I have used Go Hunt. I'm a big fan. I, I actually had Brady Miller on the podcast too, and Brady walks you through that how to use Go Hunt process. While he's not, you know, he's we we walk through it. It's not on video or anything, but he kind of walks me through it in in Colorado. And um, so it's it's kind of like a real time. Let's choose a unit type of deal. And um, and I I use Onyx constantly, and I use Google Earth constantly. I'm always if usually I'm sitting here at, at night with the Red Sox game on in the background, and and Google Earth or Go Hunt is up on my computer. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like the same way. Today I was building the string and cable set, and uh, I had. We we both have the University of El, you know Corey's program also and yep. I'm sitting there and I got my computer playing I'm switching back and forth between my spreadsheet for my my cables and, and then I'm going back and watching uh, Corey's videos and <laughs> <laughs> yeah it that it really is phenomenal he he did such a good job on that that I think that's something that it's a little I mean it costs money you know it's not free but I think if there's a, any tool that you're going to put in your in your toolkit it's it's probably to, to run through that thing oh, and it doesn't sure. take that long I, I bought it about a year ago and I probably am, it's about time that I renew it um, but I it's something that I that I just I want to have for the next few you know three four years and I think go hunts really helpful and onyx is is pretty helpful too so um, yeah those are the primary tools that I've I've been using, I think that's probably the more, well, and in tons of videos, YouTube, there's so much information on YouTube that you can go out and get if you've got the time to sit and, and watch videos. Uh, Randy Newberg's got a whole series now with Onyx on how to scale, and, you know, he walks through all that, and I, he that's a really good set of videos that he's working on, too. So, I mean, I guess there's a few things that I want to cover, you know, step-wise, um, but... Uh, with the University of Elk Hunting, there's all everything is like broken down into modules, and they are uh, it's amazing. It's it's such good information. I couldn't imagine trying to go out there, um, never having done it before, without seeing that information because it's like he's just telling you everything that he knows about that. So once you picked your your area and watched the videos and the modules from University of Elk Hunting. How have you broken down your particular area that you're going? That's one of the things that, you know, when we had Trent from Born and Raised on here is, you know, the area that we were looking at, one of them is four miles by four miles square, which is great. And like you had said earlier, you know, first day you got your one pack, you had uh, just drew it on and, and walked eight miles. So four miles by four miles doesn't seem like that big. So, but in terrain and in rocky country you know he said oh that's a that's a big area that that's at least you know you need to give that two days and it, how are you uh, maybe with your background you're able to look at the the terrain and say okay well we're going to spend x amount of days here here and and here um but how did you go about that portion of the planning i tried to look for um water sources was a big one because i knew if we were going to spike camp we'd need some sort of water source nearby so that was big to try to find some creeks or rivers or something close enough that we didn't have to haul 
10 gallons of water, you know, each day or something like that. Um, and then I looked for a lot of the north facing slopes that have good, uh, meadow areas on the, on the opposite south facing slope. And then I was looking for the boundary areas also. And that one, Randy Newberg's big on the boundary areas where he talks about the burns and the, you know, the timber cut type stuff. We'll see how it goes. I wish I could go more in depth and say, you know, I've looked for this north facing slope and this this basin and this thing right here, and it was perfect. I walked in on a herd on day one, but let's hope that's what I come back with that kind of story. But yeah, just to to use his and and Corey on University of Elk County, Corey has a video where he uses um, Google Earth, I think it is, to build. He goes in and says, well, I have access here. I can get in this way. There's water here. There's meadows. And he really breaks down that, um, how to choose an area. And I kind of looked for the, the same things. I figured it, it works for him, you know. Yeah, right. So so you're, it doesn't help that he's a 11-time world champion elk caller. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that may help him out too. <laughs> but so, so when you're um, doing that, you guys are – you're – party is planning on spiking out and then going out each day from there and coming back to camp so what we're looking at doing and we're actually talking i'm going to talk with my partner this weekend just to confirm that this is how we want to do stuff but we're looking at um parking the trucks running our full backpacks out camping out for a couple of days out in in areas that we've scouted that are they're about that four by four mile about what you guys are looking at too just a nice big section of land um and then if the, if you know if we're calling and we're not getting anything talking back to us then we'll pack out back to the trucks excuse me and we'll spend the night at the trucks to kind of refit relax a little bit maybe have a decent meal instead of a mountain house or whatever and then move on to another area so i've got three different areas that i actually got four different areas three of them are within about eight miles of each other and then there's a fourth one that's another you gotta we're gonna have to load up in the trucks and drive out we're only gonna be out there seven days so i really don't think that we're gonna probably get into all four of those areas unless we just turn into these random like a mountain goat that's out there climbing all over the place but i don't really see that so um yeah we're gonna spend the time get out there spend a couple of days out in a certain area hike it you know just call the heck out of it and come back to the little spike camp at night and then push back out the next day. Like we're not, I'm not packing up my, my tent every night and taking it with me. Yeah. I think that that's kind of where we're at is we're, we're going to try and just be completely mobile and pick up every day and, and go. Um, we've got, I think three areas, um, a one day hunt area. That's, um, a, a pretty good area, but it's not big enough. It would be just kind of like a, you know, when you say go back to the truck and refuel, you know, kind of if if we wanted to change it up a little bit before we went, you know, to the other side. So I think our plan is to go in for three days, circle back to the truck, you know, if we're not on the elk or whatever, kind of reassess and then hit one of those other areas. And we may hit that one day hunt right there in the middle, camp at the trucks that night and then right. take off the next morning. And that one is going to be a a decision because there's one area that's it has everything that that you need um it's got actually like a a double saddle setup where everything kind of falls down in the middle 
and there's like no access, but it's kind of like a for us not ever having been out there, being able to like really boots on the ground. Well, comprehend the terrain, right? You know, um, on the map it looks like it looks like a long ways. So I'm sure in real life it's you know, but I think that's kind of like a hail mary if if we're not getting anything anywhere. Uh, I think that that second set of days that that last three days is going to be head down boots on the ground head out there and and try and make it happen and uh, there's a couple springs that start and uh, the guy that's been helping us out so there's usually wallows in there so it's going to be it's kind of got everything but it's i think it's seven or eight miles down this horse trail and then maybe a mile off the trail to get to the next trailhead so it's uh it's, it's a way at least you're at least you're not bushwhacking seven miles <laughs> right you got a horse trail there that's yeah that's gonna be pretty awesome i we may do the same thing I, we haven't totally decided yet we're kind of so I'm, I'm kind of in the in the idea of when we get out there and we park the trucks and look around we'll see i think we'll have a better idea of how we want to manage it because i mean i've been out there before i've hiked out i've I've been all over Utah and Northern Arizona and I've hiked out in Colorado areas too. And I know that area is big, but I've never had a 40, you know, 40 pounds on my back to go do it for seven days straight. Um, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, we, we will always have that option. I mean, our packs, my pack's pretty lightweight the way I'm set up right now. Um, with food and water and all that stuff for three to four days, it'll probably be in the heavy 30 pound range, maybe. I don't know. Pretty excited to pack it up and, and weigh it, actually. But, um, but yeah, we'll see. We may be totally mobile if we're at first night. If we get in there, we set up that that little camp, and we're just not hearing anything that next day. We may pack up and move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking. You know, we are. You're a little bit uh, further. Yeah, I guess you've got a little bit more time. We're you're going kind of actually scheduled that it ended up being like right in the in the best time in ours as it was not necessarily haphazard, but it wasn't two years in the making. Um, we're headed out there in 16 days now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, our, our plan isn't set, but I've, you know, maybe you've seen the pictures on Instagram. I've taken, you know, uh, Mark from Treeline pursuits, you know, that his podcast with Cody rich was like, mind altering because take that physical hard copy paper map and outline your your area and then all the roads all the horse trails all everything through it and now just by doing that i have a very very good idea so when i look at onyx when i look at google earth when i look at any of those things i'm familiar with the roadways so i know i can look for this curve and that's where we're going to camp and then i can i I have a, a much much better idea um as far as our, our planning is concerned. So that was very, right. very helpful. Which podcast was that again? That was Cody, uh, the rich outdoors, the rich outdoors. Um, I can send you the link and I'll link it in the, the show notes, but, um, it's okay. Cool. I think his last name is Mark live. Say, um, he, uh, he runs llamas and he, he has like a construction company or something like that. And he basically is semi-retired and hunts like basically the entire, elk season 
um, in all these different states. And he is a paper map guy. So he said as soon as he moved out west, he just started buying paper maps. And he said he's got tubes and tubes and tubes. And he takes them and he outlines the the unit that he's in. And he said, uh, on, you know, depending upon the map, he cuts them down to save weight. But then in different colors, he goes over the different roadways, you know, horse trails, you know, whether there's access or not, where there's gates. And then so he he looks at that and then he takes he actually goes one step further. None of our stuff is really that remote. Um, There is another area that we were looking at, but um, the guy that's kind of helping us out said that we would need horses to get in there. Um, But he takes a, a one mile on the the map key piece of cardboard and then runs that along each one of those roads and tries to figure out then where's the places that are outside of one mile because that's where the people aren't going to go. And then inside of those areas that are outside of one mile, he looks for those North facing slopes, meadows, um, any of those areas and kind of breaks it down. Like as far as you can get to find those places where he thinks that there's not going to be anybody. Um, yeah. In between the road hunters and then like the, the outfitters that are going back in 20 miles. Right. So he's in that huh. buffer zone, <clears throat> but it's a really great podcast. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to listen to that one. Yeah. I was, I'm like, I'm taking notes. <laughs> Adam got here that <laughs> yeah. night and I'm, I had stuff wrote down like, man, that thing was so full of information. I couldn't remember it all. And you almost have to listen to it twice because it is, you know, so much information and it's not fast. It's not like he's just breezing through it, but everything that he says is like, oh my gosh. And then you start to think of it and he's already on like three more things that, you know, he does to help him be successful. Well, plus he goes, he's, he went into the, all the e-scouting stuff too. Yep. So he was talking about um, different layer maps and stuff that you can download. And Gaia and a bunch, you know, um, there was just Top Rut, I think is another one. Um, all of these different maps and layering systems and like modules that you can download to overlay over Google Earth. So you can use all of that. So you can see what it, whether it was in the winter time that that Google Earth was, and you know, so that you can go in there and actually see the herds of elk on the on the map on Google Earth through all of these different layers and stuff. It, it's just so much information, and so us being first timers, you know, we have to take. I think everything with us at this point is a bite at a time, right? And we kind of talked about that earlier when we were going over be- between gear uh, before the podcast, but. It's like, where are you going to put your priorities? Is is this going to be yeah. buy once, cry once, or, or whatever? So I, I can't spend, you know, a month looking over just one map and then not do physical conditioning and not exactly. figure out what food I'm going to eat. So, uh, you know, not do University of Elk hunting. It's, it's kind of a balance of, of, of all of it. Uh, but just going over that paper map and having that hard copy is... I mean, I guess I'm old school in that regard, but it, it's it's been the been so helpful for us anyway. Yeah, I'm a I came up as a paper map guy, but I'm gonna be really honest. Now that I've got Onyx Maps and I've got it on my phone, I don't I don't know that I'm going to paper map. <laughs> I th- Onyx Maps is so powerful, right. such a good little tool. But now that 
I, I appreciate that, by the way. Now I'm going to listen to this podcast, and clearly I'm not going to have any spare time for the next 30 days, I can tell. <laughs> There'll be so many overlays, and my computer's going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah, so getting into that, um, there's one more tool, and you I, you were on with uh, the guys from EXO um, on their Backcountry podcast, and you were they were going through your, like your gear list and telling you um, what you were taking and not taking and and kind of from that regard um yeah can you kind of let us know like kind of where you're at with your gear and the but the one thing that kind of got me thinking about that is i am going to be running one of the inreach minis and i heard you talk about that on that podcast and i just got that set up last night and that is a pretty powerful tool because you can download the maps onto your phone as well and as soon as you sync that up that's got all the topo maps on there. Have you have you done it yet? Have you synced it up yet? Yep, I did that last night, and you can actually go on okay. there on your computer, pop it up, and then so we're going to Idaho. So I downloaded the map from Idaho, and then you can go in, scroll through wherever you want to, and like I said, I'm familiar with the area enough, so I'm like, I need this curve in the road because that's going to be where we're going to park the trucks, and I can drop a pin there for our first destination. I can par- I can put pins on there. And one of the things, you know, when I graduated college, uh, my wife and I headed out west. We drove from Michigan to Reno. I knew enough to have the paper MapQuest directions, and I screenshotted a lot of the, the different maps and things. I didn't have actual paper maps. But as soon as you get out there, there's no cell phone service anyway. So it's <laughs> it's not just going to be maybe for... Um, you know, when we're in the backcountry, it might be where we're looking for a gas station uh, right. <laughs> or a town. Right. right. Yeah, so I picked. I bought one of those too after I got done with that podcast, and because um, I was going, I was, I knew I was going to get something. I just didn't know what I was going to get. I was looking at the old Delorum because they were a little bit cheaper, but they still have the same functions. And then I kept looking at the Spot stuff also, and that new Spot X, but. After I talked to those guys and I watched several more reviews on the mini on um, YouTube and, and read about it, that was a no-brainer. And I'm kind of a Garmin guy anyway, so I use a Phoenix a Garmin Phoenix watch that I train with all the time, and then I'll be wearing that when I go out for elevation and temperatures and things like that. Um, but yeah, that little mini is I, – I have one here with me, but I, I as soon as I get home, I'll get it all synced up and ready to go. And so the with the the rest of your gear, how I guess dialed in or are, is it all everything set? Or are you still shoot? Testing? I don't have a I don't have a pack. I don't have any boots. I don't have camo. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Man. Yeah, I think I'm pretty dialed in. So I I started the idea of this hunt last year. Um, let's see, September of last year. So I've had a year to kind of really start thinking about what I wanted and, and, you know, how I want, what kind of layering system did I want and, and all of that. And I probably went a little bit overboard to having that much time because I know there's a lot of things that I have that I'm, they're not going to go with me for this. I mean, I have them for the future if I need something for more of a late season, but um, I'm pretty dialed in. My bow's straight. Layering system is where it needs to be, especially now after I did that year, um, Rundown with with uh, Mark and Steve. They kind of dialed that in for me. Um, 
trying to think of a couple of the things that I've upgraded. I, I switched my pack. We talked about that earlier. I was running a Kuyu pack, and I switched over to the XO, um, the 55. I had a Kuyu 5200, and that thing's big. There's a lot of room in that. That was a, that was another reason why I ended up switching over. I ended up going with the XO 3500 because I knew that would be more than enough for six days, you know. So, um, let's see. I think that's it. The only real stuff that I want to upgrade for next year is I'm probably going to go with a lighter tent. The tent that I have this year is about a five-pound tent, and I'm going to end up next year with something a little bit lighter just in case we do that every day. It's on my back type thing. And food is food is food, you know. I think I'm gonna try to change things up and do different food for each day, just so I don't get too totally bored with it. But I have a lot of comfort food in my food bags. Like I, I, if I gotta carry an extra five or six ounces, but it's something that I know I'm gonna eat and it's nourishing, then I'll go a little bit extra. So um, I'm I'm kind of weirdo i guess i spent too much time in hawaii so i love spam <laughs> and i have two i i've got spam singles on you know the little one piece mm-hmm. packs and some like bagel the bagel thins that i can make little spam sandwiches um total comfort food you know there's it is full of fat and and calories and stuff so it should be a pretty decent little midday snack mountain house you know whatever i'll deal with it Let's see. Oh, my sleeping pad, probably upgrade that. Something maybe a little bit lighter. The one I have is from REI. I don't know if you guys are familiar with mm-hmm. REI. Oh, yeah. And it's a little bit heavier, but it's it's super comfortable, though. That's the thing with it. Man, that's uh, one thing. You're going to have to have a good, comfortable sleep yeah. system. Because if you can't sleep, yeah. that's – I'm a terrible I, – I have to be comfortable. So I, I end up getting the – I think it's the climate, like the 3-inch thick, 30-inch wide. Yeah, Adams. Yeah. Adams is laughing at me. He's sleeping on like a, uh, one of those. It looks like a, a sheet of paper. It looks like a float that you get at the local <laughs> store. No, yeah, mine's, yeah. One of, mine's one of the REI ones as well. But uh, okay, but yeah, I, probably like the Flash or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny. I think I think that as and this is something that. Uh, you guys, maybe you agree, maybe you won't, but I think being the new guy to hunting out west, I I have definitely overdid it on on gear. Like I have real tree stuff that would have worked just fine. Um, I think there's there's a couple major things that that you need, and that's a high quality. You know, and this is like I said, I haven't been out there yet, but I I have spent a lot of time in in old crappy army boots and very uncomfortable backpacks. And I think that there's, if there's two things that you have that have to be high quality, it's a good pair of boots and a good backpack. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's just too many days. We were talking about the old Army Alice packs earlier before the podcast. And I had, I probably have scars on my hip bones because of those old <laughs> Alice packs and those metal frames and the pad would get folded up and you'd end up with this huge blister and just the most uncomfortable, you know pack ever so i think for me and that i think john may be on that same thing for me it comes down to two things is a i'm extremely cheap so (laughs) i look at things and i'm like yeah i don't know i don't know about that 
And so that's why I was talking about earlier with the, the buy once, cry once type thing. I've definitely moved towards that um, in a lot of different areas. But I think with that, that military thing is I'm aware of the, the boots and the pack situation. But the rest of it is kind of like what you said about, you know, being out there and just under a tarp and and all that is I know what I've done before and I know what I liked and I didn't like, but I also know what I can endure. And I think maybe you and I have a different perspective, you know, than say John, because I mean, as far as overbuying, John's like, do we need this? Do we need this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't (laughs) think so. At first Adam's going out there with just a tarp and I'm like, dude, I'm have, I'm getting a tent. I'm going to have a comfortable bed. I'm trying to find out, uh, how I can pack out, you know, a keg of peanut butter, <laughs> but, the, yeah, yeah. but the pack, you know, I mean, it's kind of overwhelming and I'm sure, I mean, exactly. You know, you're just saying that, that you've over, overspent or over geared up buying it all for uh, one season, you know, all in one season, man, it's, it's, it's a big expense. So it is. And I've taken, I said it earlier, I've taken my time doing it. I've done it. And then I, luckily my wife is a big supporter. Well, I, I mean, she's supporting me and saying, yes, absolutely. Go do this <laughs> if it's what you want to go do. And she supports the podcast and all of that stuff too. But so it, if it comes, you know, it's Christmas or birthday or whatever, and I give her a, a list of things, things that I want, or, you know, maybe it's water purification or it's a headlamp or it's something like that then she's been a big part of my building up my gear list also. So if it wasn't for her, I'd probably just, I, I wouldn't have a bunch of the the gear that I need. I bought most of my camo stuff and she's pretty much gotten all my, my gear and stuff. So she's been really cool about it. Yeah. So on that note, like, so I was, play, I, I got a couple tarps. I set up a bunch of tarps. I was figuring out like, I'm like, oh, that's, that's going to be fine. It's the same as a floorless shelter. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And my wife, unbeknownst to me, that's what I got for Father's Day was a tent because she, apparently she didn't want me just sleeping in a tarp um, <laughs> in the mountains. So right, she, she's on board. And, you know, my daughter, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and she's like, are we getting in the tent, Daddy? Are we going to call some elk? You know, she's. It, it's been really <laughs> fun, like, bringing her along uh, for this whole this whole thing because we are, I we are waiting for something uh, earlier today, and she got out the easy estrus call, and I was actually on the phone with John, and she's blowing this elk call, and I'm like, honey, come on, I'm on the phone here. That's funny. <laughs> so, mine does it. My wife doesn't support me calling in the house. Oh, I'll, give, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> my wife I do that quite a bit, and she just she as soon as I'll throw a diaphragm in my mouth, she just looks at me like I'm about to kick your butt. Oh, you yeah. blow that thing. So, my wife, but I do it anyway. My wife hates it. My dogs hate it. My kids. As a matter of fact, yeah. today when I was I was watching the videos and building the string, my son was out riding his bike, and then in the, in the middle of that, I'm blowing bugles. <laughs> and he just comes in, and he's like looking at me like, Dad, what the heck is that? The whole neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. At least you know you're plenty loud, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, good. So with and that, good. how are, how is your calling coming along, or what is your your strategy for calling? You know, listening to your your podcast. Actually, I was running around the the block um, and listening to the end of the one with Corey Jacobson. Uh-huh. It seems like each one of his podcasts, he 
you know, he does a really good job on Elk 101, but I feel like on each one of his podcasts, he gives out just a little bit more. So on your podcast, it was the slingshot on the one that he did the Wapiti Wednesday with uh, Cody Rich. He did the, tri- the, the triangle on like yeah. that sort of calling strategy. You're going to be out there right at the beginning of the rut, like the, the peak type rut, correct? You're going out there. Yep. the second week right. of September. Right. And so you're going to yeah. be out there when they're when they're screaming and and all that. For us, A, you and I are both in the same boat as I don't think we've ever called to an elk before. Um nope. and then me either. Well, <laughs> but do you have a strategy is it just going to be mostly call cow calls is it going to be cover ground and just blow as many bugles as you can? I mean, what is your thought process going out there because I think as much planning and everything that John and I have going into this, we've learned to call as best we can and, and, and make sounds. But as far we haven't come up with our strategy yet, I don't think. Yeah, so I recorded Corey's 11th championship, and I'm going to play it really loud on a set of speakers <laughs> that I'm taking out there with me. We're going to see how that works. I'll see if I can get something in there. No, so he also in in the podcast that we did with him, um, he also talked about using the bugle until you locate the elk, and then once you get within, continue to use that bugle until you get within about 150 or 200 yards, and then you start trying to bring them in with the cow call, and then when you can get the the bull to respond to the cow call, then you. You know, when he starts blowing his bugle, then you hammer him back with another bugle and just try to make him really angry and bring him in. Right. Once that's, I mean, I'm not gonna, ch- I can't chuckle, I can't do any of that really cool stuff with the bugle tube. So I'm just gonna run around out there and try to blow the heck out of that thing, <laughs> and and see what happens. If I can locate one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. You know, hopefully I have a few encounters where I can try different things and I can try that method and, um. To be honest with you, I don't really have a strategy. It's just going to start off with blowing the elk bugle to see if I can locate something. And then from there, we're just going to wing it, I guess. We'll see what happens. Right. Uh, well, No, we're going to try out that, you know, use the bugle to locate, use the cow calls to get in close, and then and then try to bring them in from there. Right. Then you're going to give them a challenge bugle. Yeah. So that's, you know, yep. like, like I was just saying, the, what's awesome about watching, like, any of those uh youtube videos especially with Corey, like right now they got this series out uh the linguist and so i think today they come out with the second video so that's when i busted out my diaphragms and like when every time he would call then i would try to imitate that call and then and even my son finally when he come in and he was looking at me all you know like what are you doing he's like wow you kind of sounded like that one you know so Yes. Yes. I got it. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Until we get out there and I go to, you know, blow a bugle and it sound like a turkey, you know, with his head cut off. But yeah, just nerves hit a little bit. So unfortunately, I'm not in any position. So where I'm at down here, I'm, I'm deployed right now down in Central America. And I live in this little room that the walls are so thin <laughs> that I feel, I feel bad even if I'm watching like that 
I was watching that linguist show you're talking about with Corey. I was watching that yesterday, and I was like, I bet my neighbors wonder what in the heck is going on in my room because it's every day. There's bugles blowing. There's, you know what I mean. Oh, so my wife but feels I the same way. I don't blow my bugles or my diaphragms. I didn't bring my bugle tube down here with me. <laughs> I did manage to bring my bow down here, so I've got my bow and I brought a target. So I do get to shoot quite a bit, which is really awesome because that was. That was a big concern I had before I came down. So speaking but, of that, what what bow are you shooting right now? Um, I've got a, a Hoyt Carbon Spider ZT34 oh, that I just kind of fell in love with. I was burning through bows over the last couple of years where I was trying one and wasn't happy. You know, just never really felt comfortable. Um, and then I, I had a PSE Carbon Air last year and a evolve 31 and i really liked both of those but they were 60 pound bows and i wanted just for this elk hunt i wanted to go back to a 70 pound i felt a little more i know a 60 pounder will do it but for sure i just felt more comfortable yeah i just felt more comfortable with a 70 like what what site you're running in arrows um so the setup on that is i have a trophy ridge they're new i think they were new last year it's called a fix five i think Yep. So it's a five-pin fixed fixed sight. I really, really like that thing. It's awesome. It's really easy to adjust it and get it dialed in. Um, I think uh, I have a wheel sight. I just don't like wheels. I, I don't like the adjustable sights. I'm a fixed-pin guy. So that sight right now is set up at a 20 through 60. I, looking at the terrain where I'm at, I can't imagine I'm going to have over a 60-yard shot. So I think I should be good with that. Um, ripcord rest and what kind of wicked stick, I think is what it's called. My stabilizer's wicked stick. I think I run eight ounces on the front, something like that. And then I've got a oh it's I got a Michigan boy that built my string for me. That's a catfish custom string. He's I can't remember where he's out of, but I know he's out of Michigan. Okay, we'll have to look him up. <laughs> get some tips yeah it's it's a pretty good string i i had it done in my backcountry rookie colors so i thought it was really cool when i had it made it's orange and brown um that's it for the bow i think oh just the um hoyt quiver it's kind of like a a um, tight spot sits real close and arrows i'm playing with one right now so it's a i'm shooting black eagle renegades and they are 300 spine 50 grains up front with the hundred grain tip, I don't. I like these arrows a lot. I think they're they're very nice and very accurate. But I'm not a big fan of the um the veins that I'm using. And they're the is it boning? Yep. Yeah, boning X is that right? Yeah, I want they're just real small, real short. I kind of want to try a um, a four fletch. I don't know why, but these will these arrows are going to go with me on the hunt for sure because I've got them dialed in and they're. They're all over it, but I don't know. I just want to try for Fletch. Never have. Yeah, so Boning is a Michigan company, um, and they uh, – I'm shooting the Boning um, X veins, but mine are three, three and a half inch, and I'm shooting a four Fletch with John's custom super secret helical or <laughs> offset, whatever it is. Um, and yeah. I'm, I've am i been very happy with it. I'm shooting the, the Black Eagle Outlaws. Okay, I have some outlaws with me. Actually, I I like the outlaws a lot too. I just I like these renegades, the setup on them. I like that half out that they have on them. Um, yeah, pretty nice. I just do whatever John says because he's the 
He's the bow. He's the bow <laughs> guy. And when I asked him about yeah. Black Eagle arrows, he said, "Well," and he put me onto one of the Aaron Snyder podcasts, and he's like, um, "This was long ago, but he's like, I shoot Black Eagle arrows. He's like, I get them for free, and I have not had any problem with the Outlaws. They're the cheapest ones, but he said they're super dur- super durable." And, um, and, you know, like I said before, I'm cheap and John said these would be good arrows. Perfect. Um, but I wanted a bigger, we're, you know, in Idaho, it's fixed blade only. So I wanted, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be, I'm shooting tooth of the arrow, um, four blade, uh, hundred grain, uh, fixed blade. So I wanted four fletch and they've been flying great up at the total archery challenge. We were shooting in excess of a hundred yards, you know, just just fine we we were shooting out that far you know for that um what did you say what broadheads you were shooting i didn't but i'm shooting the qad exodus okay now is that it's a three blade yeah now are those mechanical are those the no they're it's a fixed blade they're kind of um the way that they're set up is the the blade actually comes back over the arrow a little bit so it's more of a field point type of flight i get i mean whatever it's got blades on it so it's never going to be field point but um yeah they're they're pretty nice i had really good luck with them last year on a couple of hogs down here in in texas both of those hogs are pretty decent size and they hammered them so they should i think they're going to work out good they fly they're flying good with these renegades so that's all that really matters right there i think so the is that the renegade i'm is that renegade Arrow is that the? I'm not familiar with that one. Is that the smaller diameter? Or is it the same as as your uh, outlaws? No, it's a little bit more narrow than the outlaw, and I can't remember. It's it's the next size down from the outlaw. Okay, so that's why you got the hat, the outsert. Yep. Yeah, and that's a the outsert is a 50, 50 grain, which I think that's that's what I have in my outlaws too. Right. There, there's a a fifty grain. Brass. insert in the front but it's not a half out so yeah that's what that's what adam's running is the 50 grain give a little bit foc so what's your okay. what's your overall weight uh 485 on these yeah i'm right and they're at, at 475 i think 474 so yeah i think these are going to do the trick if i get the opportunity i don't think there's going to be much that stops them so i'm running a little um, bit heavier those, <laughs> yeah what are you i'm curious what are you at i'm mine are about four or five sixty five fifty okay but he also just put Hammers. the 80 pound limbs on his bow so <laughs> holy smokes yeah that's yeah. gonna be nice i was gonna say that's the guy that i'm that i'm dealing with here is you know for john it was cheaper to buy 80 pound limbs and build a new string than it was to build a new set of arrows. So that's that's what he did. So we were a little overspined, so I'm just going to make this an 80 pound bow rather. How it was leaning for the 80 pound bow when I first when I got it, and then I'm like, well, if I just go with the 70 and then get the 80 pound limbs later. So then I ordered this the 260 spine. So I'm shooting the Eastern Axis 260s, the match grade. And okay. with with fifty grain Sweet. brass inside, so cool. What bows are you guys shooting? Well, I'm shooting. I got. I ended up getting the the new Hoyt RX one. Okay. And then I got Sweet. Um, because I'm cheap. Uh, <laughs> I shoot the. Uh, I'm shooting a Diamond Deploy. Um, I 
so this year when we went to ATA, I shot every bow I could get my hands on, and um, I shot the RX one, and it was it was really good. I shot. I wanted to shoot the Carbon Icon um, because from the time it came out as the Carbon Knight in 2015, um, it's been like continually touted as one of the best buys and you know nicest shooting bows. And the Diamond Deploy is the exact same riser. It just uses the old cam system. Um, I shot those bows and completely set up. They were like 700 bucks. And the only bow that I liked better was the Triax and you know, it was 1099 bear. Um, so I just waited and I, I ran into one for, for 300 bucks and set it up. And then I bought, um, uh, uh, a carbon night as well to have a backup bow. That's identical with the exception. The cams are slightly different, but it's same riser, um, yeah. to kind of hedge my bets just to be able to switch everything over without, without issue. So, yeah, cool. I like. I've always liked those carbon icons. They're a pretty cool little bow. And the RX One. I'm super jealous. <laughs> I love it. I want a. Uh, I've I've been eyeballing a uh, the Ultra, the RX One Ultra. But right. Probably not this year. The I'm gonna. I'm pretty happy with this carbon spider. I think it's gonna stick around for a year or two. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, those are definitely nice bows. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's light. It's. It fits me well. I like it. So when you're you're saying that your sight goes to sixty, um, couple questions. What's your is that where you're comfortable um, taking a shot at, out to there? And then what are your expectations? So are you going to shoot the? I guess what is your tag? And like for us, we're any elk, and so we're of the agreement that it's the first elk that you get a chance to shoot at. You're gonna you're gonna take it because we're out there, you know, for the for the meat, for the experience, and so by you know not taking the first elk because you're being picky, you know, with all of the ex- the experience that comes along with packing one out and processing and and all of that, I don't want to lose out on that. I don't think we don't want to lose out on that just because it was a cow or it was a spike or it was, you know, not a trophy um, in someone else's eyes, right. I think. So so what is your situation going out there? I'm more I'm comfortable shooting beyond 60. I just, when I set that side up, I really figured I wouldn't have much encounters beyond that. So that's, I, that's the way I set it up. I've considered setting it up to where my first pin is a 20 and 30 yard pin and then running it out to 70. Um yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm le- right now. It's set up pretty good, so I'm not going to mess with it, <laughs> at least until I get home. Ec- my expectations are exactly the same as yours. I don't. I don't care. And I've said it all along. I, I'll shoot a cow on day one if I have the opportunity. You know, I don't need to wait until day seven on my way out for that last minute, last hunt. Oh my God! There's a six by six over there. I, I don't really need that. I. I I would rather get the cow on the ground and get it packed out and then spend the next five or six days helping my buddy get whatever he wants. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's really where it is. I'm not a trophy guy. I don't, I don't never have been, but for Colorado, you can shoot either sex, but the, if you shoot a bull, it has to have um, four points on each side. 
so you can't shoot a spike basically in in Colorado. So there's you know there's that. Like if you see a you know a cow or a spike and you think well be kind of neat to shoot that bull you can't you got to wait until they're a little bit older so yeah so i'm running a four pin um adjustable and it's 20 30 40 50 and i've been shooting broadheads out to 50 pretty consistently and i'm i'm kind of torn as far as what i think is going to be the range now john i think john is a more consistent shot a more confident shot than i am he's real he's real hard on himself so if he (laughs) if he decides he doesn't he's not good enough that day um that's a (laughs) whole nother story but yeah i'm broken arrows yeah well ground tuning (laughs) your bow was the (laughs) or yak (laughs) yeah so but i i think it's hard for a a whitetail hunter midwest hunter to go out and think well i'm gonna make take a shot over x so i think it was john's favorite shot at the total archery challenge was actually on the locals course and it was a 54 yard shot at an elk over a water hole and uh everybody in our party did just fine i mean we were shooting way further than that so 50 yards seemed like like nothing and that's kind of the idea of the way that we were shooting all summer but for myself you know it's going from a single pin to a multi-pin and having to figure it out and mess around. I just feel like 20, 30, 40, 50, unless the situation is absolutely perfect. And I guess what I mean by that is myself and uh, John's brother had basically the same encounter the first year we went to Ohio with a buck where it was 62 yards out in a field wide open. And it was probably both of the biggest bucks we'd ever seen and neither one of us had ever shot out that far. We're comfortable shooting that distance. So neither one of us took a shot, but as soon as we came home, I mean, it was, we got to learn how to shoot further and further and further. So the balance between ethical, comfortable, I mean, I'm certainly comfortable shooting at a, a foam target at, 80 yards, no problem. Dial it up and send it. Yeah, 80 yards, so it's a lot of distance. But it's, for... but it's different. So, right. so 20, 40, 50, I think for me, is going to be my comfort zone. And I think I, that's just where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there. Well, that's, and I'm shooting a, a five-pin slider. And so, you know, I'm out to 60. And I've been consistently shooting my broadheads at 60 the last few days and i think in the right situation i'd be 100 percent comfortable shooting at 60 anything over that i'm not gonna i mean it's really not it, we owe it to the animal for one i mean a lot can happen even in 60 yards one half a step and now you're went from a good shot to a marginal shot then or a bad shot so unless it's something yeah, like you're chasing that thing it's not like chasing it through a cut cornfield, you know. You right. got to chase that thing uphill and back downhill and the next canyon, and it, yeah. Well, not only that, you owe it to your hunting partner too. I mean, because this happened uh, to us down in Ohio with with another one of my buddies. He ended up getting a bad shot on a, a whitetail, and so we ended up spending the next two days basically uh, 
you know, looking for it because we owe it to that animal to try to, you know, do our best to find it. And so that took out of our hunt also. And so between Adam and I, we're going out there. We have basically seven days to hunt. I'm not going to risk something where we end up chasing a wounded animal, you know, for two, three days. And then we both go home empty handed, not to mention a, a wounded animal. Yep. I totally agree with you. Um, that's why I, I just, for whatever, I like the sliders. They're really nice. I like them, especially for total archery challenge or some, some sort of 3d course. But for the, I, I just know how I am. And if that thing's set on 30 and I've got something at 50 yards, I'm going to forget to change that thing. And then I'm, you know, I'm shooting low or, or I'm shooting over its back or whatever it is, or possibly putting a bad shot in on it too. So that was a lot of the reason why I didn't, I have both down here and I just, I really was, um, liking that fixed pin. So, right. So your, your sliders is a single pin then? No, it's a four pin slider. It's, oh. I think it's an apex okay, four okay. pin slider. So yeah, I mean, I, I could use it, but, and just use the four pins. But like I said, man, I'm, I'm really happy with that trophy ridge. I, it's a really cool new site. I think they were, like I said, they were new last year and I was really really happy with it so it's sticking around for now yeah stick with what's working good <laughs> don't be like me <laughs> yeah yeah i don't need to i don't have time to change things really you <laughs> know it's for and especially for when i so I, I one thing i couldn't bring down here was broadheads so i haven't been able i know those qad exodus i know they were shooting well before i came down here but um when i get back i do i need to go back through and do a good broadhead tune and because I've made some side adjustments and things since I've been down here. So there'll be, by the time I get home, I've got uh, 15 days until I drive, until I get in the truck and go. So I've got 15 days to get my bow dialed in. And to be, that's like the last thing that I've really got to food bags and, and the bow. But food bags is really just going to the store and picking everything up because I pretty much already know what's going to be in them. Well, we've kept you on here for quite some time, and we've covered a lot of topics, so I want to be mindful of your time. But um, I guess the last thing that I'd like to ask you is, through your process of this Rookies in the Backcountry, um, I guess from where you started to where you are right now, um, and kind of like what we went over, it sounds like you're pretty much ready except for you know one or two things. How has it all come together? And I guess what are the biggest takeaways that you've had uh from this experience in planning this hunt and i guess what was what are the most important things um, that you would say to someone who's planning a hunt going forward maybe for next year or the year after um so just the things that i've learned i would say that it's important there's a few things i'll touch on here too i think it's important for people to get in and listen to shows like yours and of course, they got to listen to mine, right? Absolutely. But I, because there's so many podcasts out there that are people that are just, they're like-minded. They're just like us where they're, they're trying to either learn for themselves or they're trying to teach other people. And there's so much information out there to try to, to teach people. And any, it's all out there, right? If you just want to go find it, you got to have some time to listen to it, but that's out there. So I think using that as education or use YouTube if you, if you got to watch something to understand it, but there's the information's there to go get. 
And then secondly, I would say whatever equipment that you're going to use, get it early. Don't, don't wait until right now. Where are we? August 15th. If you're buying boots for a archery elk hunt right now, I think you're probably going to be in trouble. And that, if you, you know, people can say, well, he's never been to the backcountry, doesn't know what he's doing. I've put brand new combat boots on my feet and had to go on ruck marches through the mountains, and it has destroyed my feet. <laughs> There's nothing worse than an, um, in a pair of boots that aren't broke in. And, and the same goes for packs and, and some of your other gear. Before I deployed, I was the clown that was walking around my neighborhood, and I had on my first light corrugate guide pants and my camo my first light top you know and i was tr it's all camo and here i am with this huge backpack everything strapped to it and people are looking at me like what is this guy doing <laughs> but i was making sure that that stuff fit me right and it was it wicked the moisture the way i wanted it to and then i was going to be ready that when i i didn't just slip that stuff on the first day i was heading to the mountain and then it bunches up in the crotch or you know what I mean? Like I, I, there was, there's a testing period I think that goes with, with any piece of equipment that you, that you get. Absolutely. Like you're already digging into your Garmin and you're playing with the maps and you're trying to figure out how that thing works. <laughs> Could you imagine if you were trying to do all that stuff the day you walk to the trailhead and try <laughs> no. to figure that thing out? No. It, somebody will do it. I guarantee you there was somebody in this year in 2018 that didn't, they just bought it and thought, yeah, it'll work. I'll get out there and try it out. <laughs> well, I'll figure it out when um, I get there. <laughs> yeah it won't be a problem and then it's not synced it's not linked they can't communicate they don't have any maps because that that was their primary need or primary map system so i think that's it and, and i'll just maybe let's boil that down to preparation so just be be prepared and start early i think the people in our neighborhood have uh, had the same thought pattern about us to uh, seeing me mowing my lawn and my hiking boots and with my pack on even my wife <laughs> yeah my wife I walk, I'm mowing the one day and we have security cameras on. She's texting me from work. She's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yep. I had one of those. I was walking through this drainage that runs back through my house and there was some guy just down there looking at me and most people don't say anything. They just look at you like, what that guy's, what the hell's wrong with that guy? You know? <laughs> and this guy actually stopped me and he was like, are you training for something or you, you got something going on there? <laughs> And uh, I, I told him, yeah, I'm training for this Colorado elk hunt thing. And, you know, he just kind of gave me that look like, uh, all right, well, have a good day then, you know. And I wandered off. Luckily, I didn't have my bow strapped to my pack or something <laughs> like that, too, wandering around town. At least I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's my that's a big takeaway for me, I think, is that preparation. It's so huge to just be comfortable with your gear because you're more, if you're more comfortable and you know how to use it, then you're confident in it. If you'd never shot out to 70 yards before in your life, would you take a 70-yard shot just because there's an elk out there? I I wouldn't. Oh, no. Absolutely not. No. That's, uh, the only, that's the only reason for, like, my slider system is that we've trained or practiced all summer. I mean, with Total Archer Challenge, like Adam was saying earlier, we were shooting out to 125 yards. I, I like, my target is way up the hill, and I can, you know, like, Pretty much every day, I'd shoot all the way out to a hundred. I would never ever take a shot like that at an animal first thing. But maybe if that first shot, say at thirty, is questionable, and then they run out to say seventy or eighty, well, I definitely feel confident 
and my abilities to shoot that fire. So I would, that's when I would use that slider and take the, take that shot. So yeah, that's excellent point. Otherwise, excellent point. my slider, like now that I have my five pin on there, it, I don't, I haven't moved it except for going out and just practicing those long shots. But yeah. So how about, let me flip that on you guys. What's your biggest takeaway that you've learned through your podcast? Well, it's, mine is basically the same thing. Preparation. I feel like I'm not prepared. I mean, even though, I mean, I, I'm, I, I am still getting a few things in the, from Amazon, you know, <laughs> I got my water filtration system the other day. I did get some Merino wool underwear today, <laughs> but preparation for sure. And I think for me, and I, I'm surprised that this wasn't uh, one of your, your takeaways. Um, I mean, you did say to, to, to listen, but we kind of talked about it previous, uh, before we started recording and, you know, with, with your podcast, you started out, I mean, you've, you've talked to some real heavy hitters out there that are professional elk hunters and they're in the industry. And, um, we've, we've gotten that, that too, but don't be afraid to reach out. Um, that's the, the biggest thing that I've found with this Western hunting is that everybody is so eager to help you out. Um, and it is the most, I, it's I, a community. I, I mean. Yeah, but it's, it, I, I don't know if it's humbling or, or what it is, but you know, I feel like if I could get in touch with them, you know, it might, might take a few weeks or something, but I don't, I don't think that there would be any problem having a conversation with Corey Jacobson. You know, we, we talked to Trent from born and raised, um, on Instagram, I've messaged back and forth with the Hushin guys. Um, everybody is just so eager, not necessarily to give you their spot, but they want to make sure that your hunt is going to be good. So they want to make sure that you're doing all of the preparation. So I think my takeaway from it would be, don't be afraid to reach out to anybody, no matter who you, whatever pedestal you put them up on. Um, don't be afraid to reach out because the, these are some of the most salt of the earth, nice, genuine people that I've, that I've ever encountered. And I, I'm, I'm sure, Chad, that, that you've run into that as well. Everybody that I've talked to has been that, that same way. I haven't met a person yet that if I tried to get in touch with them, they, they came back with a No, I don't have time to talk to you. Right. So, I mean, I, I that's one of the things this whole podcasting thing has done, but it's kind of just kind of like opened up the whole world because there are more people out there. There's lots of people that say you can't do this or you shouldn't do this or, or whatever. But for every one of those, there's 10 people that's willing to help you out in, in any way, shape or form. Um, so it's, it's been in an amazing experience, not just with the, the Western hunting, but kind of with the whole, the whole podcasting thing as well. So, I mean, it, it's, it's just been amazing really yeah i'm sure i have a lot of fun with it to me it's it's really cool like i said the whole idea when i started mine was i'd like to be able to talk to those guys and ask some of those unanswered questions and i've gotten to do that and i've got some pretty cool stuff lined up coming up in the you know in the future after after my hunt and stuff but 
Um, and I, I can't wait. I'm totally looking forward to getting in and talking to some of these guys. Well, every, everybody that's lined up or, you know, I wouldn't have reached out to them if I didn't want to talk to them, but, um, so yeah, that, that's it for me. I, I think it sure is a lot of fun. We're pretty lucky to be, to be able to get to do it. I think they should have like a, like they do with the backcountry hunters and anglers have, they have their, uh, rendezvous. There should be like a, a bow hunter hunting podcast rendezvous so everyone just do one <laughs> big huge podcast but actually yeah, right. actually the guys uh um jason Mikoff that who we had on he said like he's like you guys need to come out to uh the bow hunter Ron- or the backcountry backcountry hunt- <laughs> rendezvous and he's like it's just like everybody's podcast and everyone's coming on and they're, they're everyone's doing podcasts with everybody else he's like it's just a huge party and great time so yeah we're hoping we can do that 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 would be fun one of these days hopefully there's time to to get out there and do it so chad you you said you got a lot of um big stuff coming up and you know we didn't have a whole lot of uh time to get into i mean you've got a bunch of other hunts coming up so by the time you get to your other hunts you won't be such a a a rookie in the (laughs) backcountry um but where can people follow along with uh what you're doing because it's a little bit different than just just seeking you out on like you're you're not you're not a standalone podcast correct right so i've got my instagram page which is um so my the podcast is rookies in the backcountry pretty much everything else i have is called backcountry rookies um that is so at backcountry rookies is on instagram and then i have um backcountry rookies page on facebook and then i also have a backcountry rookies um, group page that's more of a forum style uh page that's on there where everybody you you ask to be accepted into it it's a it's a private group and then we'll um allow you access and then once you get in there it's people just chatting you know asking questions what kind of water filter do you use what kind of boots what kind of socks you know all of that it's to me, it's perfect because it's new guys coming in and they're asking questions about what what new guys need to know, you know. Um, so that's the the Backcountry Rookies group page. Um, I have a website that's sort of it's always I always say it's gonna I'm gonna build on it. And down here, it's been a little bit tough to do reviews and blog posts and stuff. So um, I'm thinking when I get home, that thing will start growing a little bit. That's BackcountryRookies.com. And Sportsman's Nation Network is where my podcast is hosted at. So on the Sportsman's Nation Network, there's four different big game hunting podcasts that are on there. So and all of them are tons of good information. We're all kind of doing different different levels of hunting experience. So it's pretty cool to be able to go in there and you get it. You get a whole bunch of, of info. And I didn't I didn't know this. Just just real quick um, prior. To listening to a podcast earlier, um, there's two feeds on the Sportsman's Nation. So you're actually on the Western feed, and there's also a yep. Whitetail feed. So if you're looking around on there and you're not finding them, there's there's two different sections yeah. of the Sportsman's Nation. So yeah, it's a little it's a little tricky to to try and get them, um, but you can if you search for it on uh, iTunes or, or Stitcher or whatever, it comes up. The rookies in the backcountry comes up under that Sportsman's Nation big game feed or Western big game, I think. And then you're all right. There is a whitetail feed also. And that is um, if you've ever heard of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, 
that's Dan Johnson who runs the Nine Finger Chronicles. He's the guy that started the Sportsman's Nation Network. So it's all he runs all that stuff. And his that that um, Nine Finger Chronicles is on the Whitetail page. So that's it. That's I think that's it. I got a few different places where people can find me. I got some cool hunts that I'm working on this year. Hopefully they all come together and I can talk about them a little bit more. Um, we'll see a lot of it in the planning phase right now. Right now it's focused on elk. Once we get elk done, then we can. I'm going to start looking at other stuff. So I'll say, yeah, I can't wait to help. Uh, can't wait to catch up with you um, after the hunt, after our hunt and your hunt, and kind of kind of reconvene this and see how expectation versus reality kind of kind of that may be worked we, out. Yeah, that may be shocking. That difference between what we expect <laughs> and what happens. We'll see. Well, Chad, it's been great having you on here, and I think that's pretty much all we've got for this evening. I'll ask you to just you know kind of hold on the line so we can button some things up here but i think that's all we've got tonight for the uh for the listeners so so thanks for being on here and thanks everybody for uh for tuning in one more time for another episode all right see you all right thanks guys